Welcome back, Hemingway Brainiacs, to the Heming Brainiac List podcast. It's a podcast where we do things the Hemingway. We're talking about chapter 26, book 2 of The Red and the Black. Here are the schmoopies for it. Whenever Madame de Favach visits the de la Mole house, Julian always makes sure to seat himself in the place that makes Madame look most beautiful. Whenever he speaks to Madame, it is only to make Matilda jealous. Julian then starts sending Madame letters, always hand-delivering them on horseback and looking sad like a doomed lover from a romance novel. At first, it looks like the letters have no effect, but the narrator tells us that Madame Favax has an improved opinion of Julian now that he's paying a lot of attention to her. Swim, said the mamma fish, he said, Saint Simon was a memorialist in the court of Louis Fourteen, and greatly preoccupied with rank, etiquette, and genealogy, Massillon was a celebrated priest and orator who delivered the funeral oration at Louis XIV's funeral. Thank you for that. Non-creative handle said another love triangle is well on the way. Is it though? Because is is it a love triangle if the whole third bit of the triangle? Um, is really just to make them jealous, you know. Um, I don't know. I don't. Does he have any genuine interest in um, Madame de Favax? I don't know. I don't know. Or wait, who is he writing the letters to? Madame de Favax or Madame de la Mole? I can't remember. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Does he have any genuine interest? I think he's just trying to make old Matilda jealous. Anywho, that's all the conversation we've got today. We'll get into the business end of this book. We've only got about, I don't know, 15 or so chapters to go, which sounds like a lot, but it's only about the last, I don't know, uh, I'm going to say 20% of the book that we've got left. So... Let us read chapter 27, which is called The Finest Places in the Church. Services rendered, abilities merit, bah! Join a coterie. Telemachus. It was in this way that the idea of Julian was the first time associated with that of a, by a, bisho, a bishopric in the mind of a woman who might sooner or later be handing out the finest places in the church in France. The advantage would hardly have impressed Julian. At that point, his thoughts could not rise at all to anything unconnected with his current misery. Everything augmented it. The sight of his room, for example, had become insupportable to him. In the evenings when he came in with his candle, each piece of furniture, each little ornament, seemed to take on a voice sourly proclaiming some new detail of his unhappiness. But on that particular evening, I'm due for some forced labour, he told himself, as he arrived back in his room more cheerful than he had been for a long time. Let's hope the second letter will be as tedious as the first. It was even more so. What he was copying seemed to him so absurd that he began transcribing it line by line without thinking of the sense. It's even more magniloquent, he said to himself, than the formal sections of the Treaty of Munster, my professor of diplomacy had me copy out in London. It was only then that he remembered the letters from Madame de Favax, 
the originals of which he had neglected to return to the grave Spaniard, Don Diego Bustos. He looked them out. They really were almost as pompously unmeaningful as those of the young Russian lord. Vagueness was total. In trying to say everything, they said nothing. It is the style of the Aeolian harp, thought Julian. In the midst of immensely elevated thoughts on nothingness, death, the infinite, etc., I see nothing genuine but an abominable fear of ridicule. The type of monologue we have just given in abridged form was repeated for fifteen days on end. To fall asleep transcribing some sort of commentary on the apocalypse, to go next day with melancholy mien to deliver a letter, to return his horse to stable in the hope of catching, catching a glimpse of Matilda's dress, to work, to appear at the opera on those evenings, Madame de Tavarax did not come to the Hotel de la Mole. Such were the monotonous events in Julian's existence. It was a trifle more interesting when Madame de Favarx visited the Marquise. Then he could glimpse Matilda's eyes from under a wing of the Marchal's hat, and could wax eloquent. His picturesque and sentimental speeches began to take on a character at once more striking and more refined. He knew very well that what he said would be absurd in Matilda's eyes, but he wanted to impress her with the elegance of his diction. The more that what I say is false, the more I ought to please her, thought Julian, and so, with deplorable boldness, he began to exaggerate certain aspects of nature. He very quickly appreciated that in order not to seem vulgar, in the Marchal's eyes, he must above all avoid simple and reasonable ideas. He continued in this way, or cut his elaborations short, according to what he read of success or indifference in the eyes of the two great ladies he must please. On the whole, this life was less frightful than when his days were spent doing nothing. But, he said to himself one evening, here am I transcribing the fifteenth of these frightful dissertations. The first fourteen have been faithfully given to the Marchal's Swiss porter, and I am about to have the honour of filling all the pigeonholes in the bureau, yet she treats me precisely as though I had not written them. What will it all come to? Will my constancy end by boring her as much as it does me? It must be admitted that this Russian Korsov's friend, as love, in love with the beautiful Quakeress of Richmond, must have been a terrible fellow in his day, couldn't be deadlier. Like all mediocre beings whom chance puts in the presence of the manoeuvres of a great general, Julian understood nothing about the assault carried out by the young Russian on the heart of the beautiful English girl. The first forty letters were designed solely to persuade her to forgive the boldness of writing at all. It was essential to persuade this gentle being, who maybe was infinitely bored, into the habit of receiving letters that were possibly a little less insipid than her everyday existence. One day Julian was handed a letter. He recognised the coat of arms of Madame de Fervax and broke the seal with an eagerness that would have seemed inconceivable a few days before. It was merely an invitation to dinner. He hurried to consult Prince Korsov's instructions. Unfortunately, the young Russian had chosen to be as frivolous as Dorat, precisely where he should have been simple and intelligible. Julian could not make out the moral stance he should adopt at a dinner with the Marechal. The salon was of the utmost magnificence, gilded like the Galerie des Diane in the Tuileries, with paintings in oil on the ceiling. There were light patches in the painting. Julian learned later that the subjects had seemed sufficiently decent to, to the mistress of the house, who had the paintings corrected. This age of morality, thought he. 
In the salon, he noticed two or three men who had helped to prepare the secret note. One of them, Monsieur the Bishop of Dash, the Marchal's uncle, held the elicistical portfolio and, it was said, did not know how to refuse his niece. What tremendous strides I have made, said Julian to himself with a melancholy smile. And how indifferent I am to it. See me dining with the celebrated Bishop of Dash. Dinner was mediocre, and the conversation exasperating. It is like the headings of a bad book, thought Julian. All the greatest subjects of human inquiry are proudly proposed. Listen for three minutes, and you have to ask which is the greater, the speaker's bombast or his abnormal ignorance. The reader has no doubt forgotten the little man of letters called Tambo, academician's nephew and future professor, who seemed to have been given the responsibility for poisoning the salon of the Hotel de la Mole with his low slanders. It was from this little man that Julian first gathered the idea that it could well be that, that Madame de Favax, while not responding to his letters, hewed the sentiments that inspired them with indulgence. Monsieur Tambo's black heart was devastated at the thought of Julian's success, but, on the other hand, a meritorious man cannot any more than a fool be in two places at once, or if Sorel becomes the lover of the sublime Marechal, said the future professor to himself, she will set him up in the church in some advantageous manner, and I will be rid of him at the Hotel de la Mole. Monsieur l'Abbe Pirard also addressed long sermons to Julian on his success at the Hotel de Favax. There was sectarian jealousy between the Osteogenist and the Jesuitical Royal Region regeneration regenerationist salon of the virtuous marshal there we go that's that chapter down i'm gonna to have to do the shmoops on that one again because i didn't follow all of it but uh have your say you know where to go until tomorrow thanks very much for listening have a good one